This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story, Death Has Small Wings. Tarzan had been spearfishing near his cabin. When from the lagoon's babbling inlet came the roar of an animal and a girl's frantic scream. Tarzan clambered up the lagoon's bank, scrambled over rocks, and then streaked to the small inlet. There, a mammoth crocodile was about to close its hideous jaws on a scantily clad young white girl. Tarzan's spear catapulted downward with tremendous force. The crocodile leaped high into the air, its tail lashing furiously. But it was only the last frantic spasm of death. Like in the storybooks, the hero arrives in the nick of time. Uh, are you hurt? Well, only my new bathing suit and my dignity. He clawed at both. Uh, there isn't much left of the bathing suit. Well, there wasn't much of it to begin with. It's a bikini bathing suit. Do you like it? Where is the safari you were traveling with this morning? How did you know about our safari? I caught the scent of white men many hours ago. I followed it until I discovered your camp and made up my mind that the men in your party did not come here to start trouble. But I might mean to start some. I've never seen a man like you before. You didn't tell me what had become of your safari. Why did you leave it? Oh, I wanted to swim, and Father got stuffy and impossible, so I just sneaked off when no one was looking. They'll come back for me when they find I'm missing. If I hadn't been fishing here, here, they might have returned to find nothing left of you but the fragments of your bathing suit. I doubt that Gimla would have eaten that. <laughs> you know, you're cute. Do you live near here? The entire jungle is my home. I am Tarzan, and some call me the Lord of the Jungle. Well, I'm Gail Stevens, and I haven't got a title. But I'm open to suggestion. Maybe I'd like to be your duchess, or as a lord's wife called a countess. A lord's wife is called a lady, and it's plain that you'll never be called that. Why, you... you insulting savage, I'll... Stop pummeling my chest, you little spitfire. I'll teach you to call me names. Stop it! Never try to strike me again. You're hurting my wrist. Will you behave if I let you go? No, I won't. And I'll have to put you over my shoulder and find the trail your safari's taken. You wouldn't dare force me to... Put me down. 
I'll put you down when I've reached your camp and turned you over to your father. Together with a recommendation for a good spanking. Oh, I originally planned this trip so I could get away from Gail for a little while. But her plane was waiting for me when I reached Mombasa. She's too much for me to handle. Always has been. Has your wife no control over her either? My wife died when Gail was a baby. I guess that's why she's spoiled. Well, I suppose now we'll have to wait hours until she gets dressed before we can push on. The terrific heat of this part of the jungle makes traveling by day almost impossible. You would do well to camp here and then resume your journey later by torchlight. Our headman suggested traveling by night, but Gail wouldn't hear it. Do you let this young daughter of yours dictate everything you do? I don't let her. She just, uh... Well, there's no sense trying to cross Gail. Oh, I've got enough troubles without that. Business worries, my digestion. I do not believe in spanking children, but if Gail were my daughter, I might make an exception in her case. I tried it once when she was three. She bit my hand. Anyone who can spank Gail will win my admiration and my respect, as well as my pity. Hi, Dad. Hi, Tarzan. See, it didn't take me long to change. How do you like the way I look now, Jungle Lord? A white riding outfit is hardly suitable for the jungle. Oh, you're a wet blanket. Come on, Dad. Tell the porters we're ready to start again. We're ready to start, men. And you'd better tell them to move faster or we'll never get to Kolhadeni. To Kolhadeni? But you mustn't go there. Oh, why don't you mind your own business? Well, this is my business, for I, I've decided to travel with you until you pass beyond the jungle. Oh, maybe my charms are beginning to work. To me, you're only a spoiled child, but I have determined that your safari is too small for a trek through the jungle. At best, this is no land for a white woman. Well, see, you admit it, I'm a woman. Maybe by the time we've reached Kolhadeni, you'll realize... Kolhadeni is in the heart of the Dudu country. The uh, Dudu country? <laughs> Sounds cute. <laughs> Dudu. It is the native's word for the tsetse fly, whose sting causes sleeping sickness. Well, I'm not afraid of a few tiny flies. Perhaps you have not the intelligence to be afraid of anything. A few tiny flies. In the land near Kolhadeni, the natives say that death has small wings. <laughs> In just a moment, we shall return to our story of Tarzan. Day after day, the small safari cut its way deep into the jungle, ever in the direction of Kolhadeni, in the Dudu country. And as they approached this land of the living dead, the native porters began to desert the party, scurrying into the tangled undergrowth as though they had already seen the specter of the Grim Reaper. Tell me, Gail, what makes you so determined to reach Kaladeni? Why did you choose it as your destination in the first place? Because the man at the travel station in Mombasa said it was the one place we mustn't go. From the moment he said it, I knew what Gail's reaction would be. He was a funny little man who looked all frightened and mysterious when he spoke about it. He called Kulhadeni the Forbidden City. Why, I'd rather die than pass up something like that. Many people have died for having gone to Kulhadeni. Oh, you're not scaring me with all that yakety yak about sexy flies and sleeping sickness. I know it's just a cover-up. A cover-up for what? I figured out that Kulhadeni must be one of those places where they hold all those weird native rites. The ones white people aren't supposed to see. You know, with child brides and crazy dances. I will tell you what Kulhadeni is. It's a... A miserable collection of earthen huts, each one seething with wretched natives who've been torn from the bosom of their families by the dread disease. Oh, you're just trying to scare me. Perhaps the sight of them may make you realize that the world doesn't begin and end with your own selfish being. Uh, no, Tarzan. You'll see hundreds of wretched blacks who are nearer to death than to life. Desolate humans who 
Merely wait for the gentle hand of death to release them from their suffering. You're making it all up. I don't believe you. You haven't the sense to recognize the truth. You're a shallow-minded, selfish child. What? You can't talk to me that way. Why, dear? When we first met, I told you never to strike me again. But it was just a playful slap. She didn't mean it. Oh, yes, I did. And I mean this one, and this, and this. Time someone taught you a lesson. Let me go. Take your hands off me, Tarzan. Tarzan, perhaps. What do you think you're going to do? I'm going to give you the spanking you've had coming for a long, long time. Oh, Tarzan. No, please, I'll never... Of course this hurts me more than it does you. I hate you. I'll get even with you. I'll pay you back for this. Tarzan, I'm getting very tired. Perhaps if we could stop for a little while. You're not tired, Mr. Stevens. You're afraid Gail's fallen too far behind. Yes, I am worried about her. She's in no danger. I can sense the coming of enemies. Oh, please stop and wait for Gail. Please, Tarzan. All right. Bass! Bass! Oh, she's trying very hard. She hasn't complained about the hardships for several days now. Yeah, she's learning. She's only a child. With the body of a woman, a dangerous combination. Oh, yes, I guess so. Well, perhaps by the time we get back to the States, I, I wonder what's happening there. If only I could get my hands on the current stock market quotations. You're worrying about the stock market when we're drawing close to a land from which we may not return? But I, I can't help it. That's all I've thought about for years. Perhaps this trip may teach you something, too, Mr. Stevens. You may discover that the stock market returns are not so important. Uh, Gail? Yes, it's left of me. Well, at least you stopped for a rest. You know, I could stretch out right under that tree. We're ready to start again. And we're merely waiting for you to catch up with us. All right, if you'll just wait a second until I take these heavy boots No, no, off. no, your mosquito boots will remain on. You'll keep your shirt buttoned to the neck, and at no time must you permit any part of your body to be exposed. No bikini bathing suit, huh? What are you doing, Tarzan? Breaking off a few palm fronds. From this point, we will walk single file. Gail, you go first. Mr. Stevens, you follow. And if you see any large brownish flies land on Gail, use the frond to chase them away. I shall walk behind you and do likewise. But who'll chase them off you? I shall try to be wary and whisk them off before they have a chance to bite. But we've been inoculated and you... Oh, there's no sure inoculation against sleeping sickness. And I'm in better physical condition than any civilized man. Well, we'd better be moving along. Yes, if we keep on at the pace we've been making, by tonight we shall reach the land of the doo-doo. Darkness had already painted the village of Kolhadene in somber tones by the time the white travelers had reached there. Before them stretched endless irregular rows of huts made of hard-baked clay. From every doorway, frightened eyes peered out of them. Mangy-looking dogs sniffed at their heels, and ill-fed goats bleated at them from behind piles of unsightly rubble. A few humans, if they could be called that, leaned against broken fences and watched the advance of the strangers as they made their way toward what looked like the principal building of the Death Colony. Well, Gail, are you satisfied now that I told the truth about Colhadeni? It's very interesting. I'm glad we reached here. Well, the people are nothing but skin and bones. They look tubercular. Look, one of them is coming toward us from the big building. Oh, yes. He looks healthier than the others. Jumbo, stranger. Jumbo. I am Tarzan, who comes from the Punya country. And this is Mr. Stevens and his daughter Gail from the land across the seas. And I am Dr. Kuruza. You're a doctor? Why, you look like a... A jungle savage. I am, but I left my people for many years. I studied medicine in the white man's country and have returned here to help them. Why have you come to our land? Well, we'd like to help too. 
I mean... We came for various reasons, Dr. Colarusa. The young lady because of childish curiosity. Mr. Stevens because he is too weak to deny his daughter her slightest whim. And I because of a perhaps mistaken idea that I might teach this spoiled child a lesson. You have chosen a bad time. The season is both hot and moist. And despite everything I've tried to do, the sexy flies are multiplying alarmingly. Oh, look at that tiny child. Almost completely wasted away. She is but one of many. I suggest that you do not remain here more than a few moments. The elephant path leading north from here... I'm afraid it's quite impossible to continue traveling tonight. Mr. Stevens is exhausted. Gail has only now begun to see the things I hope will make her grow into a woman. And I have not closed my eyes for many nights. Well, I'll give you my own hut. It's reasonably clean, and there are a few pieces of mosquito netting about, but you're taking a great risk. But Tarzan isn't afraid of risks. He's the lord of the jungle. You're very kind, Dr. Colruza. We'll take advantage of your offer, and in the morning we'll move on. I'll show you to the hut. You're welcome to it for the one night. I hope it will not prove one night too many. Are you all right, Gail? I'm practically asleep. For all your talk, this isn't so bad. I still think you ought to have one of these pieces of mosquito netting, Tarzan. We, we have clothing to protect us. Try to get some sleep, Mr. Stevens. We... Must start early in the morning. Well, all right then. Good night, Gail. Good night, Tarzan. Good night. What's wrong? Something bit me. I don't know what. There, on the ground, beside you. A large brown fly. Sexy fly. Gail, get that naked doctor. That doctor, what's his name? Maybe he can... No, there's no sense in getting excited. Many of the flies are not infectious. How long does it take to... I mean, if it was an infectious fly, how long... I don't know. Some say the disease strikes at once. Others claim you have it for days before you... Before you... Tarzan, what's wrong? You look so strange. My head. Everything's beginning to whirl. I guess... I guess it was an infected fly. Maybe I better... In just a moment, the very strange conclusion of our story, Death Has Small Wings. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Aha. It's the Loop Crate subscription box, yeah, with exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! The Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. Tarzan could feel consciousness draining from him. Struck his head. And yet, although he could neither move nor speak, there was no black pit of unconsciousness, but instead a sort of twilight gray in which he could see and hear Gale's terror. You've got to save him, Doctor. Mr. Stevens' querulous concern. He's our only chance. And the practiced examination of the Negro doctor. Suddenly, Gale and Mr. Stevens dissolved in a purple mist. Now the hut was filled with burly natives, and Tarzan could feel them lifting his body from the ground. He was being carried through the village on their shoulders. Only now he couldn't see. The gray of his mind had turned to sable blackness. They'd stopped carrying him. They'd put him down someplace and gone away. It was getting lighter now. Day was breaking and Tarzan was feeling better. He was feeling a lot better. He opened his eyes and looked up into a face that was familiar and yet strange. Who, who are you? No, no. You've been sick. You must not waste your strength and idle question. You, you look like Dr. Corruza, the native doctor, but your skin is white. You see those mountains in the distance? Mountains? They're Kohadeni? Yes, I, I, I see them. What color would you say adorn their peaks? Color? I'd call it a sort of rosy pink. Not orange? Yes, it might be described as orange. And yet some people might call it red or yellow or even golden. You see, my friend, color is only in the eyes of the observer. Here we do not call a man black nor white, brown nor yellow. We're all one in this land. In this land... Where have they brought me? It is not for me to explain matters. Even now, the High One awaits our coming. The High One? The chief of this land? Your ruler? We have no ruler. We need none. Will you follow me along this path? Yes, of course. We walk without difficulty? It seems strange, but I've never felt stronger nor healthier. And this is a strange path, like one through my beloved jungle, and yet the rocks do not hurt the feet and the bushes have no thorns. That is so. Am... Am I a prisoner here? No more than are the fish prisoners in that stream over there. Look at them. Hundreds of them leaping over the rocks. Now, if I had my spear, I could... We do not kill in this land. Food is provided without the need to kill. It, it sounds ridiculous, perhaps, but tell me, ha have I died? Is this the land of spirits? Ah, here comes the high one. He's coming to welcome you. It, it's Mr. Stevens. Mr. Stevens, dressed in a long robe and with a white beard. This is the strangest thing Welcome I've ever... Welcome to our land, man of the jungle. You speak as though I were a stranger to you, as though we hadn't spent the last few weeks together. Indeed, we have spent countless centuries together. For are we not both men and thus brothers? This is crazy. I must be delirious. Ah, you speak thus because always in the past when you entered a strange land, you were surrounded by unfriendly people who held spears at your back and threatened you with knives and other implements of war. Is that not so? Yes, I guess that's what I was thinking. Perhaps the delirium exists in those lands. But come, you are hungry, and we have food prepared for you. The dining hall is but a few steps away, if you come with us. I've never seen such a beautiful place. The, the marble columns, the golden ceiling. Ah, you see, High One, he's learning already. In his eyes, the columns are of marble and the ceiling of gold. Daughter, bring food for the hungry traveler. Even now, I approach with his repast, my father. Gail! You are Gail? My name is Abigail. It is a Hebrew name. I have never been called Gail, though a few souls have sometimes called me Abby in jest. You have never been called Gail? No, I have not. It's, it's fantastic. You, you look somewhat different and your long robes look unaccustomed, but I would have sworn I will you... I place the food on this low table and you can sit on this brocaded cushion. You will find it most comfortable. When you have refreshed yourself with food and drink, we will talk again. 
Peace be with you. I too will leave you now, I guess, so that you may feast undisturbed. If you wish anything more, summon me by clapping your hands and I... No, no, don't go, please. I, I want to talk to you. I shall be happy to stay if you desire my presence. Here, I shall sit beside you on this other cushion. Sit. You once vowed to get even with me, Gail. Is this crazy world I find myself in part of your scheme? I have never seen you before this day. My name is Abigail, not Gail. And vengeance is unknown in this land of ours. But why do you have troubled thoughts? Do you not like our country? Oh, it is beautiful, but somehow strange and unreal. The way the birds fly blithely in and out of the windows of this palace, the manner in which the small beasts of the forest peer in without fear of man. They have no need to fear us, nor have you any cause for fear. You keep watching me so strangely, and yet my only desire is to serve you. That's what I can't understand, your desire to be helpful. For the gale you resemble strangely thought only of herself. A girl who thought only of herself? Oh, but that was in another land. And your father. In that other world, he was weak and spineless. Here he's a tower of strength who's called the High One. What is the secret of it all? Our only secret, if we have one, is that here we know not the meaning of fear. And without fear, there is no evil. Look behind you. A panther! I have no fear. And I have no knife, but I will battle him with my bare hands as I have many times before. Sit down, jungle man, for the panther is as gentle as a kitten. What? what? It's true. He's fawning against you like a household pet. Of course. He wants to be petted. There you are. Now run along, for I must get our guest more food. I don't know what this land is all about, Abigail, or how I got here, but perhaps this is the place I've hunted for all my life. The dominion of peace I was never able to find in the jungles or in the cities of the world. I hoped you would say that, for if you accept our land, it will accept you. I will open my heart to you and do your bidding always. <laughs> There you are, my beloved Dawson. Noble Tarzan. I am afraid you will not think me noble nor grateful for your acts of kindness to me. One man cannot judge another. What is it, Tarzan? He wants to leave our land. Well, he has not yet taken our vows. It's hard to explain, High One. When I first came, I thought this was the paradise I had always longed for. And it is not? We have failed in some way? Oh, the failure is in me. I am unready for a land in which there are no wars, no angry words, no raging elements. A country that knows no weapons, whose animals are all peaceful as doves. I cannot hunt, nor is there any need to grow food, for it springs up in profusion without care. There's no need to build a shelter, for it never rains, nor snows. There is no need to do anything. You are bored with our life. I hate to call it that, and yet I am a man of the jungle, used to fighting for survival, used to matching my wits against others. This land is too peaceful for the lord of the jungle. I, I am unhappy here. But perhaps a taste of your old world would make you change your mind. Should you leave us, we would all miss you. Abigail, perhaps more than the others. I will. I will miss you, Tarzan. Perhaps you will return, my daughter. Tarzan, never before have we given anyone the opportunity to taste of our fruit, to reject it, and then to return. But to you, the opportunity shall be given. What do you mean? Behold this small vial, a tiny flask containing a small amount of colorless liquid. When you drink of it, you will be returned to the world you left. It sounds like some native voodoo. Perhaps it is. Now behold this second vial containing an amber liquid. Hold it firmly in your right hand. Guard it. Treasure it. Should you find your old world displeasing now that you have tasted ours, drink the contents of the second vial, and you shall be returned here. Take them. Thank you. You are leaving. I'm sorry. I must drink the contents of the first vial, but I will guard the other carefully. If your mind is made up, then drink. I shall. Goodbye, Tarzan.
coming too, Mr. Stevens. He is indeed. At last. I was afraid for a while his death would be on my soul. I insisted on coming here to call her, Denny. The color is coming back to his face, Dr. Coruso. What? What's happened? Hi, one. Abigail? I don't know what you're talking about, but you've certainly given us a scare. You've been unconscious for weeks. Gail and I thought you were a goner. But now you've passed the crisis. I think you'll be all right. The liquid in the vial worked. I gave you no liquid. I've been giving you liberal doses of Bear 205. It's frequently effective when you catch the disease in its early stages. Have I, have I been here all the time? What are you talking about? Of course you've been here. Where else would you be? Oh, I guess everything I thought was happening occurred only in my feverish mind. You did mumble constantly as though your mind was filled with many strange delirious thoughts. But you've had two good nurses, Gail and Mr. Stevens. I think they've learned a few things while you've been unconscious. I have learned, Tyson. Hey, we both have. Tyson, what in the world are you clutching in your right hand? What? I, I don't know. I... I'm not sure. Well, open it. Let's see. A tiny vial filled with a strange amber-colored liquid. Where in the world did you get it? No, Gail, give it back. Gail, what are you doing with it? There. You, you broke it. The liquid's gone. Of course it is. I don't know what it is or where you got it, but we have to watch what you eat and drink very carefully. You've taught us a great lesson, and it's up to us to nurse you back to health. Yeah, that's right. You see, while you were ill, Tarzan, Gail resolved to spend the rest of her life helping the sick. And I've decided that whatever money I have will be devoted to advancing the cure of tropical diseases. We can't afford to lose our first patient. Well, at least I'm glad I came back. It's nice to know that miracles can happen in this world, too. We'd like you to remain with us for another few moments so that we may tell you about our next exciting story of Tarzan. Often have men asked the origin of Tarzan's courage. How can a man steel his nerve against the terrors of the jungle? How can he boldly face a giant gorilla, a rhino, or a mad bull elephant with only his bare hands as weapons? Ruka, a native youth who knows he's to be poisoned before the next moon is passed, looks for a source of courage... And he finds it in Tarzan's Magic Amulet. Tarzan, a transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glesser. This is a Commodore production. Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of Tarzan's magic amulet. 
Tarzan had been on his way to the trading post at Angiki. Now he suddenly halted his sleep passage through the upper level of jungle growth, for directly beneath him in a small clearing nature had cut in the primeval forest. A scene was being enacted that was dramatic and strange. At one side of the clearing, a tremendous lioness stood motionless. Her nostrils distended as she caught an alien scent. At the other side of the clearing stood a native youth, his face contracted with fear. At the youth's side was a young native girl, slender and beautifully formed and magnificent in her anger. Boruka, this is your chance. It cannot do it, Keo. Cannot kill Lioness. Do not kill Lioness. She kill us. Let her kill us. Maybe it's better we are dead. Boruka, look. She crouched to spring. Quick, Boruka, draw a bow. No, Keo, no. Then I kill. Give me bow. No, woman must not. Give to me. Now, give me arrow. No, Keo, no. Not take arrow. I take. No. no. Ah. Ah. Lioness dead. But tell Martel she kill. She say Ruka kill. Now, Ruka take knife and rip heart from great animal. No, Ruka not want take knife to other beast. You must. It's ritual. Must cut heart from lioness and eat while still is warm. Ruka must get courage from saber. <laughs> this lion made of dead one. Oh, not arrow, Ruka. Give me another arrow. No, we die, kill. Die together. <laughs> was acrid with the scent of blood, and the lion had been drawn from his lair by the story it told. Now, crazed with a longing to avenge his mate, he tossed his mane furiously, bared his great yellow teeth, and bellowed at the cowering youth and the helpless girl. For a moment, the lion hesitated over which should be his first victim. And in that moment of hesitation, a powerful bronzed figure catapulted downward. There was an instant in which bared fangs and huge talons, muscular hands and gleaming steel were indistinguishable. And then, in the fury of the steel, the steel was reddened, and Tarzan's knife claimed another victory. Lion with hunting knife. You see, Ruka, man can kill animal even without arrows or spears. There's no need for fear. He not ordinary man kill. Ruka knows. It's Tarzan, Lord of Jungle. Are you Tarzan? Yes. How did you know me, Ruka? Father and warriors have tried to tell about Tarzan's bravery. Always say Ruka should be like Tarzan. But Ruka, not brave. You eat heart, lion, while still warm. We'll make you brave. Is not true, Tarzan? Many wise witch doctors and medicine men say it's true. See, Ruka? Eve. No. Cannot cut into warm flesh or eat heart. Would make Ruka sick. Anyway, Ruka not believe lion's heart make him brave. Well, then do not eat it. For if you do not believe it will help you, it probably won't. All medicines require faith as one of the ingredients. Oh, Ruka not believe in anything. Not in customs of people or books of missionaries. Or words of kale. Well, you should listen to your words. Seldom have I seen a sister so concerned over her brother. I'm not sister. I'm promised one of Ruka. The promise is forgotten. It is no more. Leave me alone, Keo. Leave me in woods to die. Oh, you're not being very gallant, Ruka. Why do you not desire this beautiful girl as a wife? Ruka will not take Keo for wife. Only to have her made widow almost before she is bride. A widow? Oh, come now, Ruka. I've known many men who were not physically brave, but using reasonable caution, they managed to live for many, many years, even in the jungle. Ruka will not live. But Keo wanted him to go through tribal ritual that make him warrior of tribe before he die. For only after he kill lion and eat heart can he become warrior and claim wife. We could be happy for a little while. He looks strong. What makes you think he's going to die? Cannot tell. It's secret of tribe. What tribe do you belong to? Not tell. Not tell, Keo. No. 
It would do no good to tell the business of our people. Well, perhaps it would do good. If, if some sorceress or witch doctor has placed a curse on you, maybe I It's not curse of witch doctor or sorceress. Before next moon has come, Ruka's father to be poisoned. Once he is dead, Ruka to be poisoned. To be poisoned? Teo, is this the truth or something Ruka has invented? Is truth. Teo try make Ruka brave, and she fail. But whether he become brave or not is saying an end. First, Ruka's father poisoned. Then Ruka. Nothing anyone can do. Not even Tarzan. In just a moment, we shall learn what Tarzan does about the future of the strange Ruka and the beautiful Kale. Tarzan had stripped the hides from the two dead animals, and the rough pelts had been cached together with most of the meat in a small cave near where he had encountered Ruka and Kale. Now, although the jungle sweethearts had firmly refused to tell the direction in which their village lay, they walked in an easterly direction with Tarzan. Ruka hung back, walking slowly, but Kale's long legs, moving smoothly beneath her brilliantly colored skirt, kept pace with the giant strides of the jungle lord. Am I walking too quickly for you? No, Tarzan. Ruka seems to be having difficulty keeping up with us. Ruka very strong, but walks slow. For him, danger is behind each rock. He afraid snakes, animals, man. He seems to resent my presence, and yet my only desire is to help him. Well, if he doesn't want to walk with us, let him follow. We will hear if he encounters any danger. His life short, and yet Kao worries for him with falling of each leaf. You seem to worry only about Ruka's fate, and yet, unless your people are far different from other jungle tribes I've known, you too may face death. If they discover you broken taboos by entering the forest alone with Ruka, you will be... Kao wise in race of woman. We get back soon. Warriors not discover she gone. Kao, that, uh, that cloth you're wearing knotted about your waist, it's, uh, Americana cloth made by white men, isn't it? Perhaps. Um, uh, your village must be near a white man's settlement, huh? Perhaps. The uh, quiver which holds Ruka's arrows is most interesting. It, uh, it's of uh, hippopotamus hide, is it not? Did he? Or did he make it himself? Was made by his uncle. Well, if his sister made it, then your people must have access to the hides of hippos. I I also like living by the side of a river. Kao know what you try to find out. She not tell name of river, not tell what our tribe, or where is village. But why should you want to keep these things secret? It was Kao's secret. She asked Tarzan's help. But his secret of Ruka. And Ruka must shape own fate. But perhaps if you encourage him to trust me... Where has Ruka gone? He's hmm? not following us. Oh, he must get lost long past. Please, Tarzan, look for Ruka. He's not able to find animals. Please, find Ruka. I'll retrace my steps. You wait here. And call if danger threatens. <laughs> Tarzan hurried in the direction from which he had come, but nowhere was there any trace of the native youth. There had been no sound of an animal attacking, and yet the boy had vanished as though he'd been swallowed whole by some great monster. Tarzan searched the brush on either side of the jungle path, but there was no sign of him at all. Now Tarzan turned back to rejoin Kale, but she too had disappeared, leaving no spore that might be followed. Together, Ruka and Kale must have planned this method of shaking off the man who threatened to pierce their tribal secrets. 
for a week, Tarzan roamed the district, searching for the two who had vanished into the jungle night. And then, his search exhausted, he resumed his journey to Angiki. When he entered the lazy African settlement, he went directly to the small store of Alfred Blount. Strange that his store should be shuttered in the middle of the afternoon. Mr. Blount? Mr. Blount? Oh, your horses, whoever it is. There's no need to break down any blooming door. I'm sorry if I pounded too hard, but I thought... Darzan! Well, bless me soul, if it ain't the lord of the jungle himself. Here I am, not back in Anyiki a full day yet, and I have the jungle aristocracy coming to call on me. Have you been away, Mr. Blount? Oh, I've been cleared him on Bassett and back, I have. But you can stow the Mr. Blount business... I'm Alf to a gent like you. <laughs> All right, Alf. Come in, come on in, close the door behind you if it ain't too much trouble. I'm not officially open for business. Were you uh, on a pleasure or a business trip, Alf? A pleasure trip? Oh, not bloody likely, no. I haven't the money to take trips for pleasure, I haven't. Business, strictly business. And I brought back a slew of fine merchandise, you can bet your last bob on that. Oh, that's fine. Now, I might ask if your visit to Angiki is business or pleasure. Well, mostly pleasure, for I love to roam, but... I thought I might take some things back with me. Well, you name it, and Alf Blunt's got it. Tea, coffee, tobacco, salt, flour, tin, butter, canned fruits and meats, beads, cloth, thread, needles, toys, trinkets, mining equipment, safari equipment, water bags, tents, ropes, gun shells, bridles, harnesses, <laughs> shoes, boots, nose rings, or corn cure. <laughs> I have little use for any of the things you name for myself, but I am returning to my Seacoast cabin from here, and I want to lay in a small supply. Oh, that'll mean tea and sugar for when Captain Lawrence visits you. That's right. And some bandages for strangers who poke their blooming noses where they don't belong. Yes. Some bandages, some toys for my small friend Torgo, some Americana cloth for the women of the Punya tribe, and, and some trinkets to give us gifts. We'll all go and fetch the tea and the other supplies. You'll find a slew of trinkets in this carton right here. Huh? You just pick out what you like, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the prices in a moment. Ah, you... You certainly did bring back a slew of trinkets. Ah, I got some rare bargains, I did. Some first-class things. Maybe no one would buy that stuff in Paris or London, but the natives will like them, they will. I've already picked out some of the things I want. Well, it won't take me long to select the rest. You take your time, take your time. Elf Blunt's not opening his store today anyway. <laughs> Wait until my punya friends see these baubles. They shine more brightly than gold. I told you that was first-class. Say, uh, why aren't you opening your shop right away, Alf? It's not like you'll pass up a day's business. Well, there won't be much business any day unless the trouble stop. Trouble? Yes, in the Moluku country, just down the river. Those natives are really carrying on. That's all I've heard since the minute I got back. I thought things were both peaceful and prosperous there now. Oh, not since the river started rising about six weeks ago. Just before I left on my trip. Wiped out the Moluku's fields. Destroyed all their crops. Now they've become complete savages again. Killed two white men yesterday, they did. Not even a trace of the poor blighters left. I know that at one time they were as savage as the hippos that lived on the small islets near their village, but I thought that since Yaki became their chief several years ago, they'd given up such practices. Well, so they had. But he ain't chief no more. No, the way I hear it, Yaki's dead. Poisoned by some of the people of his own tribe. Poisoned? Ooh, and that's not all of it. Now, according to reports, they're going to do away with his son. He's a likable lad, too. He's been inside this very story, has His name? What, what's his name? Oh, I don't remember for sure. Let's see now. Um, uh, Ruka. That's it, Ruka. Oh, so he was telling the truth. How long should it take me to reach the Mogul village? You daft man, you can't go there. I'm going. You can't get through the jungle. Everything's underwater for miles. It's like a blooming swamp it is, and every creature that's still alive is hungry and dangerous. Well, I'll go by the river. Where can I get a boat, Alf? Well, I've got a boat of sorts, but it'd never make that river now. The last man who came up barely made it. He said the river near the Mulgu country was like a churning cataract. I'll take a chance. Well, I suppose your life's your own to do with as you see fit, but if you go, you're nothing but a fool. Even if you get through, those rampaging savages will kill you. 
They'll spring at you like it was a tasty tidbit sent by one of them blasted voodoo gods. But I'm going there to help them. Oh, that's what the two they killed went there for. Oh, maybe you're a jungle man, a sort of a savage to us. But to them mogus, you're just another white. And they'd as soon kill you as they would spear an alligator. Sooner, maybe. Where is your boat, Dark Elf? There's no time left for words. In just a moment, the exciting conclusion of our story, Tarzan's Magic Amulet. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. It looks so peaceful here, it's hard to believe what you told me about floodwaters, Elf. Make no mistake, Jam. The river near the Mogu country is not like it is at the dock at Anjiki. It's a raging torrent, it is. Well, your boat seems sturdy. Oh, sturdy enough, all right, but it'll be as much as we can manage to pull it through them rapids. As we can manage? Well, you're not coming with me, Elf. Just because I choose to risk my life is no reason why Well, there's no should. sense in my opening shop before this ruckus is settled, so I really ain't got nothing better to do. Oh, you've contributed food and fresh water and other valuable supplies for me to take to the Mulders. That's quite enough for one man to do. Like you said back in my shop, Tarzan, there's no time left for words. Now, man those sails, matey. I'm casting all. <laughs> The small craft had progressed only a few miles upstream when the deceptive calm of the river harbor gave way to the turbulent fury of the floodwaters. Now the tiny boat buckled and strained as the African river, like some monstrous reptile, writhed and twisted with the convulsions of whirling cataracts. Waves like those of an angry ocean pounded against the frail craft. The sails were shredded by gusts of frantic wind. Only the strength and the courage of two men kept the prow ever headed in the direction of the Mogu country. It seemed that each moment must be the last for the battered ship. But hour after hour, it prodded onward until it neared the now ravaged dock where once the Mulgoo's war canoes had stood in proud array. Ah, uh, the dock's just ahead. I can see it. Shall I help you man the rudder? I can manage it, Tarzan. You take that grappling hook and try to help easily. Right. When we get close enough, I'll jump ashore and try to find something to moor to. Why don't I deep? jump clear. If you miss the dump, you'll be ground to a bloody pulp. I won't miss. Careful, Al. Just coming in. In another minute, you... You're all right, Elf. Oh, matey, I am, and you? I'm all right. How's the cargo? It's still fast. We had our left proper, we did. I'll start passing it over the side. We'll have to find a place where it'll be safe until we can get some of the mulgoos to help us carry it to their village. Oh, they'll help us. They will. You can bet your last bob it won't be a mow until their reception committee comes to greet us. Only they won't have the keys to the city in their hands. It'll be knives. It's a relief getting away from that river, friend, it is. How much farther is it to the village? Well, we're almost to it, Tarzan. It's slow walking through this muck, it is. Oh, look. A uh, thatched hut ahead. No, you're right. Hey, that's strange. Hut sitting all alone out there. There's still a, quite a way to their village. Look. The door has been nailed shut. 
And the sign of taboo placed on the doorpost. Well, most likely the people who lived here moved farther inland and closed the place up so no one would take their property. It's on a little hill, and there couldn't be more than a foot of water inside. If we were to place some rocks on the floor, it would be a safe place for the ship's cargo. Hey, mind that. If we don't get it soon, it'll be washed away, it will. Now, let's rip off these boards and see what it's like inside. (coughs) Doesn't look as though anyone's lived here in a long time. Nothing but a, a long box and some native masks. No, oh, wait a minute. I, I see something else there on the ground. Uh, well, I can't see a bloody thing. Black is pitching here. I don't see... Oh, yeah. Don't struggle out. Too many of them. Other weapons. All right. But you're making a mistake, man of Mulgo. We've come to help you. If you come help, why you break into burial hut, great chief Yoki? Ah, so that's the reason for this hut. What does he mean? That, that long box is Yaki's coffin. It's left there so that his spirit may come and go at will for a year. And then the cabin and all his personal belongings are burned. It's a great honor to him. Whoa, first they poison the blotter and then they do him honor, eh? What white men know about poison of chief? Everything you've done here is now known in the village of the white men. But despite all we've learned, we came here to bring you food. Where is food? It's lashed to a very heavy log lying at the edge of the narrow strip of land that leads to the dock. Iboko, no place. If white men tell truth, we not kill. If white men lie, we still have food. Well, after what I've gone through, I'm not ending up in any blooming stew pot. No, we'll be all right, Alf. We'll, uh, we'll show you where we place the supplies. We find if you not lie. Maka, Riga, Zutani, Ruka. Go big log. Look for food white men say they bring. Rest, take white men prison. Hut the village. <laughs> Well, this is a nice, tidy little hut, I must say. Well, at least it's fairly dry. This side of the village will be safe unless the river continues to rise. Well, not that it's being safe to us any good. Not with half their tribe guarding us and the rest of them licking their chops. Now, they promised to release us once they found the food we brought. I take their word. And even should they go back on it, there's still some possibility of escape. Oh, I suppose you're going to bribe the guards with those trinkets I bought in Mombasa. Hmm? Who? you look like a blooming witch doctor with a grease bag round your neck. What are you still carrying them for, Tarzan? <laughs> Oh, perhaps some early member of the Greystoke family came from Scotland. I'm loath to part with things I've paid for. Ruka! Hey, blimey, it's the son of the old chief. Listen, river is rising. Your cargo gone. Whole strip land washed away. Now try to get ready. Take your lives. Oh, for one who professes to be a coward, you've shown great bravery in coming here to warn us. I am coward. No, you sing not. But if Margot take white men's life, it's dishonor to tribe. Why are you so anxious to save the honor of the people who killed your father and plot to kill you? That too, for honor tribe. Father weak, old, not able rule tribe. For good of people, father must die. Ruka coward cannot be chief. If other made chief, might be much trouble. Is right Ruka be killed too. Well, now I've heard everything I have. What can you do to help us escape? What can we do to save your life? Ruka's life, not important. But is important, save tribe. Each hour, more land washed away. Only place safe now is islands of Duro. The islands of the hippos? Yes, the land's right. Those are volcanic islets. They're the only places that are safe from the flood. But how about them blooming beasts? Oh, yes, Ruka. What about the colony of hippos? That's why Ruka come to Tarzan. Ruka help white men escape. They drive hippos from islets. Ruka would do if he brave like Tarzan. Well, I don't know whether I'm brave enough to tackle a herd of hippos, many of which are more than three tons in size. Tarzan brave enough. Tarzan, bravest man in world. If only Ruka, brave like Tarzan. 
Torsen, what secret charm gives you such bravery? Why, uh... I, I have a small amulet, a magical charm that guards my life. If Ruka had such a charm, he could save his people. Well, you shall have it, Ruka. The charm shall be yours. It's, uh, it's in this small Grigri's bag here. Tarzan's magic amulet is Ruka's now. Nothing harm Ruka now. Ah, uh, nothing. That's right. You're safe as houses. Ruka, go now. He come back, save Tarzan, one blunt. Then he drive Duro from islands, save people of Mongo. <laughs> Within a few hours, the river had reached the edges of the village itself. The white prisoners were forgotten now as the panicked natives attempted to save their few meager possessions. But although Tarzan and Alf could have escaped without help, they waited for the brave Ruka to assist them. They followed his orders as he organized his tribe for their migration to the islands of the Hippos. And then, while the women and the children and the old men lashed crude rafts together, they accepted Ruka's leadership as he led the warriors to their battered war canoes. Ruka and Tarzan were among those in the first canoe to reach the home of the Hippos. They sprang ashore, leading a horde of painted war bedecked savages. They began their onslaught upon the mammoth hippos. Surround Thoros! Drive into the river! They stampede into water! They can swim for many miles. They'll find a safe home elsewhere. And this be safe home for my people until the river go down. Oruga, very brave chief. Kale, how did you get here? Women and children not arrived yet. Kale come with warriors. She wants help, Ruka. Ruka not need help of woman. Never do again, Kale. Is not dignified for wife of chief. I not do again, Ruka. Ruka, all animals gone. What we do now? Warriors go back mainland. Help bring women, children, old men to island. Ruka lead, cause he brave. Cannot be hurt by flood or beast or man. <laughs> Well, Tarzan, it's nice being back on dry land, it is. I believe the Mulgus are convinced of that, too. And the seeds and the farming equipment you sent them should enable them to get back on their feet quickly. That was a fine thing for you to have done. Well, Alf Blunt believes in helping them that help themselves. After all, they punished those that took the white men's lives, they elected Ruka chief, and they become a right orderly tribe again, they have. Well, with an invincible chief, they should become a powerful influence for good. Invincible, eh? And all with a trinket I brought back from Mombasa. <laughs> Even a small trinket that would not have brought a penny in civilized countries can be like magic if one has faith. Yeah, Tarzan, I've got a confession to make. Yes? I never did learn how to read. What, what did it say on that magic amulet? The magical words were written in the English tongue. They said, World's Fair, Chicago, 1893. <laughs> 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 In just a moment, a preview of our next exciting story of Tarzan. The possessor of the book is a strange man, a sunken-cheeked Arab with great luminous eyes. But the book itself is even more miraculous. It is worn and shabby, a relic of a day-long past. But it contains not only a remarkable history of the past, but a fantastic, frightening glimpse into the future... There are weird things indeed in The Strange Book of Araby. Tarzan, the transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glasser. This is a Commodore production.
get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of the strange book of Araby. Hours had passed since Mara had made her escape, but she still glanced back over her shoulder in great fear as she plunged deeper and deeper into the jungle. The piece of broken chain jangled from her ankle as she staggered onward, and the leg iron bit savagely into the dark brown smoothness of her skin. Jagged rocks and cruel thorns ripped the sandals from her slender feet, and spiked branches raked her weary body. Mara was near exhaustion, and her breath came in great tearing gasps. Suddenly she tripped over the gnarled root of a huge tree and fell finally. There was no strength left. Mara lay there. And as darkness descended on the Congo, consciousness vanished. Hours passed. Well, what's this? Oh. Oh, you've been hurt. No. No. Leave me alone. No, you, you need not be frightened. Mara, not go back war camp with you. Mara, die before she go back. You kill me, but not me. I am your go. friend. I, I do not intend to kill you. Nor shall I force you to go anywhere against your will. What the... A large animal seeking food. It isn't safe to remain here on the ground where beasts could spring upon us without warning. What, what, what you do? I shall have to carry you. Be as gentle as possible. Oh, but... no. No, Mara, frighten. Where you take me? Into the upper level of jungle growth where few animals can follow. And don't worry, Tarzan shall protect you. Tarzan? You, you, Tarzan? Oh. Oh, here we are. Now, lean back against the crotch of this tree. I shall, oh. I shall hold you so that you do not fall. Oh, we'll be all right. Now I know you, Tarzan. Oh, long time Mara here, Balora's jungle, from people, her tribe. What is your tribe? Mara belong Wamanusi. Wamanusi? Hmm? Your village is located near the edge of the desert, is it not? Near where jungle and great desert meet. And slave raiders are active near there now? 
I noticed the leg iron. Oh, three days ago, people, Wamanusi tribe, find most of cattle missing. Men go into jungle to find. Women's children stay behind, care for kaffir corn and fields planting. The Wamanusi have always worked hard to wrest the living from the soil. Soon as men of tribe out of sight, army of Arabs ride into field. An army? Wear the uniform, carry flags, guns. Oh, they do not sound like slave traders. But, but go on, they, they rode into the fields. Oh, dear. They ride into fields, take what they want... Corn plantains, yams, tobacco. Then they destroy what is left. The work of months. Then soldiers drive old women, children, back to native village. Take young girls to war camp with them. The devils. Mara is one who is taken. At war camp, she see what happened to cattle. Soldiers eat much meat. They make us cook and serve meat they have steel. By this time, the men of your village have returned. With them to help me, perhaps I can do something. Oh, you not understand. Our tribe small. Arabs are three, four hundred soldiers. Have guns, cannons, long whips to beat those who not obey. I have yet to face a man who would dare to use a whip on me. You meet men in camp. This man called Sariaska. That is Arabic for general. He is man seven feet tall and big like elephant. He swear he use whip to tell soldier to kill. If tells him go to Arab camp, he asks for death. <laughs> In just a moment, we will relate what happens when Tarzan, despite Mara's warning, enters the camp of the barbaric Arabs. The tangled wilds of the jungle melt into the barren wastelands of the great Libyan desert not far from the walled city of Karadan. The ravaging Arab soldiers had made camp some 20 miles from the city near the village of the Wamanusi tribe. And from a concealed spot in the upper level of jungle growth, Tarzan could see their bristling camp, a veritable sea of tents. This was no band of marauding Bedouins against whom he might pit a handful of natives. They would pay with their lives, and the only life Tarzan was willing to risk was his own. He left Mara with her people, and then returned alone to the Arab stronghold. Sentries guarded the front of the principal tent, from which the sound of feasting and carousing could be heard, but there were no guards in the rear. Tarzan's hunting knife slipped the canvas and he stepped quietly in unnoticed. <laughs> Another jug of wine, Sanjay. And let the dancing continue far into the night, slaves. Do not falter nor cease in your efforts to entertain the soldiers of Ben Ayo. Did I have danced for hours? I am sick with weariness. <laughs> we have a fine cure for that sickness, eh, man? <laughs> yes, a fine cure. The whip will no. cure, huh? Whip will make no. dancing. No, not the whip. The whip, no. are on the whip. Aim at her feet. No. We'll make her step well. No, I beg of you. I beg of you now. You will not lash the girl. Give me that whip. Or I shall let my knife taste of your blood. Anyone who moves a step closer to me and attempts to take the whip from my hands will also feel the steel of my knife. Now then, do you know what should be done with whips? This! Go to the harem, girl. You've done enough dancing for the night. Please, it's upon you, gentlemen. Maybe something is about last child on me. Come here. I come to face you gladly, for you have many things to answer for. How did you get past my sentries? They are posted only at the front of your bed. I came through the rear entrance. There is no rear entrance to my tent. There is now. 
My knife cuts cloth as easily as it does the flesh of those who would steal the meat and the other food of the Wamanusi people. Ah, so that is your grievance. I'm genuinely sorry that it was necessary to deprive them of their food, but an army travels on its stomach. You've heard that expression? And my men needed the things we took. Including the native girls you took captive? We could not be expected to cook and serve the food ourselves. I demand that you free the girls at once, and that you pay for the cattle and the crops you've stolen. You demand? <laughs> I have been most lenient with you. I have permitted you to say many things that none have ever before dared to say to Gamil Ben Ayub Razim, sorry, Askar of the armies of Karadan. The armies of Karadan? Do I not speak clearly? Is that not what I said? And are these not the flags of Haradan at my side? I had not noticed them before. I know the caliph of Haradan, and I know his son, the Amir. They would not sanction your actions. Oh, the caliph would not approve of what I've done, huh? Did you hear that, man? The caliph would not approve. <laughs> the caliph would not approve. <laughs> the young Amir would be shocked. How can you ridicule the ruler of your land, the supreme sovereign your army has sworn to serve? I think you've asked enough questions, jungle man. While I respect your bravery, I know full well you could not best a hundred men or two hundred or six hundred. And such a number are within the sound of my voice. No, I could not hope to fight six hundred men. Do you expect to take me as a slave, too? We have a more important mission. So despite your impertinence, I shall permit you to leave the camp unharmed. If you leave at once and forget matters that do not concern I am finished with words. I leave now, but I shall not forget the name of Ben Ayubratim. And I will give you cause to remember the name of Tarzan. It had been some little time since Tarzan's path had crossed that of the Caliph of Haradan, but he felt sure that the potentate would remember him with friendship and order his general to make restitution for what he had stolen from the natives. Tarzan pondered as he neared Haradan on the best method of gaining admittance to the walled city, of getting past the fierce sentinels who guarded the ornate palace, of obtaining an audience with his majesty. But for some unaccountable reason, these obstacles did not exist now. The gate of the city had been flung open and left unguarded. The streets were deserted. There were no guards protecting the palace. And the once proud monarch sat completely alone in a vast throne room that held not a single courtier. Come here, Tarzan. Approach the throne with no hesitancy. Thank you, Your Excellency. Seems extraordinarily strange to greet my callers without intermediary. Many things in your city seem strange, but I'm glad to see that you are still the same. I may seem the same, Tarzan, but I'm an old and broken man who lives only for his even. Your son is well? So far, but I keep him locked in his room lest angry citizens make an attempt upon his life. An attempt upon the life of the prince? But your soldiers, your palace Ascari, your ministers, where are they? Gone. All of them gone. Either to hide like yellow cowards from those who would plot against me, or to actively join the man who has permitted this revolution. Ben Ayur Azim? Us. For a moment I have forgotten that you heard only just now come from his camp. You know that I've been there? Yes. It was made extraordinarily clear to me that you would go there with a the dusky maiden who had been their prisoner, and that you would enter their camp and confront Ben Ayub with his foul deeds to the members of a tribe, and that you would then leave his camp and travel here to report the matter to me. How can you know everything that I've done during the past few days? I have few loyal subjects left, but among them is one who knows of the past and of the future. More than a week ago, he told me all that would transpire with you. You mean someone told you a week ago that I would encounter the native girl Mara three days ago? Someone told you that I would go to Ben Ayub's camp even before I was aware that Ben Ayub existed? I know it sounds extraordinary, but it is true. All things are known to the Oracle of Haradan. 
They are written in the strange book of Arabic. Oh, you are much too clever and well-educated to be taken in by a charlatan, a faker. He predicted to the day the assassination of my grand wazir. And his pronostication that my palace guards, my viceroys, and my chancellors would desert me was accurate to the very hours. And in the period during which I still trusted Ben Ayub implicitly, the oracle stated flatly that it was he who would lead the revolution. And since he knows so much about the revolution and the activity of Ben Ayub, it seems likely that he is involved in the plot against you. The oracle would not join forces with one who would ruin our city, who would place the entire citizenry under the yoke of slavery. Uh, tell me where I can find this oracle. And what good would that do? I could get this strange book of Araby from him. We could see how much of the future it foretells, if any... To be extraordinarily frank with you, I thought of that. But it would do no good to steal the book, even if you could. Why? It is written in an ancient form of Arabic that I do not understand. And I am reasonably sure that no one else in the city, save the oracle, can translate the strange characters. There must be someone who understands them. I heard of an English antiquarian who can translate all of the ancient Arabic forms. In fact, I sent him a letter, but he did not come. Well, regardless of the oracle and the book, the thing to do is to organize those of your subjects who are still faithful. We, we must get an army together and fight Ben Ayub and his men. I am not a man of violence, Tarzan, and I have no desire to turn brother against brother. But you can't just sit here and do nothing. Oh, it will be the same in the end. It is kismet, as we say. It is preordained. It is fate. The ultimate result of the revolution is already recorded in the book. Oh, the book, the book. I've heard too much about the book. Where is this oracle of Haradan? He lives humbly in a small corner of the old abandoned fortress that stands at the north end of the city. But I would not go there. It might mean grave trouble for you. If there is any truth in the belief that our destiny is already planned, nothing I can do will alter it. And if your oracle turns out to be a fake, perhaps I can write a new last chapter for his precious book. I do not know how to answer your challenge, Tarzan, except to tell you that the realm of metaphysics is a vast and intricate one, and the oracle is an alchemist mystic of great renown. In tracking him to his lair, you are placing in jeopardy both your physical life and your everlasting soul. In just a moment, the exciting conclusion of our story. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh -huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. Fun surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! The Loot Crate box! What's with today, huh? Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are boxes just about for all collectors To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash Loot Crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash Loot Crate. Great Scott! Snap into a Loot Crate, dig You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle.
The abandoned fortress at the northerly end of the walled city of Karadan had been built many centuries before. A vast wooden structure, its heavy timbers now sag dangerously. The flooring creaked beneath the weight of Tarzan's body, and bats flurried from cobweb rafters. The entire edifice was deep in an atmosphere of musk, and rats scurried beneath Tarzan's feet as he headed for a small room in a remote corner of the fortress, drawn there by some compelling force that was beyond his understanding. The door to the room was open, hanging limply from rusted hinges. Tarzan walked in. The room was almost completely unlighted, but even from the doorway, Tarzan could see the Oracle of Caladan, an aging bearded Arab with sunken cheeks and great luminous eyes. Enter, Tarzan. Come close to me, Lord of the Jungle. I shall indeed, for there is much that I would ask you. That which is revealed to me, I shall in turn impart to you. I have prepared for your coming. I suppose I'm to show great amazement that you know me, that you were aware of my coming. Well, I'm not amazed. As I walk through the city, I could see eyes peer at me from behind each window. You and Ben Ayub have many faithful spies. I have no spies, but it was written in the book that you would come. Your whole past and future is there inscribed. You know everything of my past, eh? From the moment of your birth in the small cabin your father erected near the sea coast, there is a full history of your life, John Clayton, Lord Greystoke. No one in Haradan has ever known me by that name? No. In most of Africa, you are known as Tarzan, a name given you by Kala, the she-ape who became your foster mother. The, the name? Does, does this strange book of Araby tell why I was named Tarzan? It does, indeed. The name is from the language of the apes. Tar, meaning white, and Zan, meaning skin. I haven't told that to more than three people in the world. Where is this book that tells all about me? Here, by my side. You may look at it. You may hold it in your hand. There. It is old. I've never seen a book like it before. Worn old leather and rich yellowed parchment. It looks as old as time itself. It is timeless. Is it possible that some miracle has enabled someone to write about things past and things yet to occur within this strange book? It is indeed. It is written in a language no longer spoken or understood by many, but the facts are there. I suppose you too desire to know what future years will hold for you, what people will be close to your heart, what experiences you will have, how and when you will ultimately meet your death. I am curious, and yet my immediate concern is for the fate of the caliph and his son, the Amir. Ah, the Amir. Even as you entered this crumbling fortress, I read of the Amir. The poor Amir. The poor Amir? Why do you say that? An apple is destroyed by a worm from within. It withers and falls to the ground. It lies there looking whole and firm, but on the inside... All is rot and decay. What do you mean? What are you getting at? The answer lies within the palace of the caliph, upon the silken pallet in the bedchamber of the caliph's firstborn. But I looked in upon my son but a few moments ago. He appeared to be asleep. Perhaps he is, and this mad dash down the corridors of the palace is but a waste of energy, but... The words of the oracle... What did he say? Well, the words were strange. They, they, they could have meant a great deal, or they could have been meaningless. This is the entrance to the bedchamber of the Amir. Ah, there he is, lying upon his couch in peaceful sleep. Oh, my fears were in vain. The strange words of the oracle made me fear for the Amir's life. May I speak with the prince, Your Excellency? Of course. He has talked to you constantly since the time you visited us here and served as a tutor to him. Wake up, Amir. You have napped long enough. Amir, we have a visitor. Ibn, 
Ibn! Let me kneel and put my ear to his heart. There. I am sorry, my caliph, but there is no sound of its beating. Your son has passed on to another world. My son. Oh, my son. Look, Tarzan. The cup beside his bed, soothing potion, the last thing given to my, my most trusted servant before he too left the palace. A worm that destroys from within. My son killed by a burial and poison of the orient that leaves its victim looking as though he were peacefully asleep. While on the inside it causes rotten decay. The oracle does know the future as well as the past. If your land is to be saved from that barbarian, we must have the oracle's help. Oh, Tarzan, you would not leave me in my hour of grief. I must return to the old fortress and you must come with me. You cannot afford to grieve for one son when thousands of your sons and daughters are threatened with slavery. Tarzan, Your Excellency, I regret that it is not within my power to reveal all that is within the strange book of Araby. We do not want you to tell those things we should not know, but at least you can tell us exactly when and where we can expect Ben Ayub's attack. Please tell us that much. Where and when will he strike? According to the written word, Gamil Ben Ayub Ratzim will lead his roistering band into Haradan on the third day of Ab. The third of August. But that's tomorrow. He will pass through the gate to the city that lies nearest the heart of Allah. The eastern gate is nearest to Mecca. We must rouse every loyal man in the city, and our forces must be massed there. Yes, I fear a conflict is inevitable. And to know the hour would be of great advantage to you? It would be of extraordinary help. The army of Ben Ayub will march upon the city as the Kamar loses her eternal struggle against the Shams. Do you understand what he means, Your Excellency? Yes. Kamar is the moon, Shams the sun. It means that Ben Ayub will attack as the dawn rises over Haradan. One thing more, great oracle. What, what will be the outcome of our battle? The outcome? He who is strongest shall win. And he who is weakest must perish in a flame of destruction. <laughs> He who is strongest will win. When dawn broke over the city of Haradan, thousands filled the narrow streets near the eastern gate of the city. They were not trained soldiers, but merchants and workmen, artisans and housewives. Their leader was Tarzan, their inspiration the caliph, their weapons antiquated sabers, flintlocks and muskets, and their standard, the lifeless body of the young Amir. When Ben Ayub's forces entered the city, the people fought with inspired fury. Many of them died, but by the time Jessica descended upon the walled city, the traitor's army had been forced to take refuge in the old abandoned fortress near the north wall. We beat them until then. They cling like cowards within the ancient orgy. When cowards have guns and cannons, they're still dangerous. But look how extraordinarily my people fight on. Within the hour, they will gain the fortress and drive out Ben Ayub's men. And hundreds will die in the attempt. Anyone who draws close to the walls of the fortress makes a target of himself. Behold, one of my subjects is close to the fortress. What's he doing? He's all alone. He's already reached his entrance. See, he's lighted a torch. No, no, you must not set fire to the fortress. And he who is weakest must perish in a flame of destruction. He's done it. Look, Caleb. The, the entire fortress is going up in flames. Like a box of dry tinder. The article. And the strange book of Arabic. Tarzan, where are you going? Into the fortress to save a man and the book. <laughs> Yeah. 
Something hasn't emerged yet. Pardon me. Excuse me. I must see the caliph at once. Pardon me. You are the caliph. Please, please, not now, later. But your enemy is defeated now, and I've come thousands of miles to see you. Tarzan, the dearest friend I have in the world, is still in that building. Ghastly. I'm Hudson, the antiquarian you sent for. No one would bring me to your city earlier because of the siege that was said to exist here. Look, look, it's Tarzan. He's escaped from the building. Collapse. A miracle has saved Tarzan. I must go to him. I'll come along. Ben Ayub and all his men were killed, Your Excellency. The oracle was gone. But somehow I feel that he was not destroyed by that fire. You are the important one. My followers, ointments, salves, healing medicine for the jungle law. No, no, I'm not badly burned. Some strange force seemed to keep the flames from consuming my flesh. But I was too late to save the strange book of Araby. Except for this... This tiny fragment. Let me see. This is the English antiquarian I wrote. Here it is. Thank you. What, what does it say? Hmm. From the quality of the parchment and the nature of the characters, I would say that it predates the earliest known manuscript. Oh, what does it say? Perhaps in, in those few words, the entire future of the world Actually, may... it says very little. The words inscribed on the small piece of parchment, what are they? <laughs> Please translate it for us. Of course, of course. <clears throat> uh... And Haradan shall emerge from its trial by fire with new vigor. For those who would gnaw at its vitals from within shall perish in the flames. And so also shall this book perish, save for a small fragment. And buried in the ashes of the strange book of Araby shall be the secrets of the future. We'd like you to remain with us for another few moments so that we may tell you about our next exciting story of Tarzan. A slender young girl arrives in Africa on a holy mission, but the savagery and paganism and violence of the dark continent destroy her faith. A church built in a deceptively peaceful fern forest is the scene of a barbaric massacre, and a fugitive from justice matches wits and strength with a bronze jungle god. These are the elements contained in Cathedral of the Congo, next story of Tarzan. Tarzan, the transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glasser. This is a Commodore production. to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. 
From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now, in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of Cathedral of the Congo. Of all the river ports that dot the banks of the mighty Nile, Tarak is the most miserable, the dirtiest, the most crime-ridden. The slender figure who walked down the dimly lighted street of the devil was that of a man of God, and he was on a mission of the church. Suddenly, two figures sprang at him from a darkened doorway. A steel-like garrote encircled his throat, and he fell to the ground, dead, without even a chance for a final word of prayer. I'd give my right arm to get the hang of using that piece of leather thong the way you do, Slim. It's got knives and pistols beat a mile. Just a minute. I'll get the door. All right. There we are. Now, don't try to carry him yourself, Ben, or I'll help you. He don't weigh any more than you do, Slim. I can handle him. All right. Bring him in. Holy smokes, Slim. He's a minister. I knew that. You would. You got eyes like a cat. But what good's a minister? They ain't never got any money. Maybe this one has. Look through his pockets. All right. Here we are. His wallet. Ah, there ain't enough in here to buy saddle wax for your garrote. Yeah, there must be. Let me look through it. The Reverend Nathaniel Malcolm. Yeah, we got the right guy, all right. The right guy? I thought you told me we was waiting for the first stranger that came along, that we'd roll him for enough dough to buy fuel for my tub. You haven't got any place to sail it anyway. No one will trust any cargo to you, not even with every scow in the harbor already chartered. What did you mean by the right guy? What did you mean, Slim? This guy's the Reverend Nathaniel Malcolm. He's been a missionary in the interior for almost 30 years. Some guy who was through there on a big game hunt told me all about him. And you expected to find money on a missionary? This guy told me that all his life this Malcolm has wanted to build a fancy church in the jungle. A cathedral, he called it. A cathedral, huh? Hey, they cost real dough. Exactly. And he was all over town today pricing wood and granite and stained glass for the windows. I don't get it. Where'd the money go? Search me. Hey, hey look at this. A letter from a dame. You can tell by the handwriting. And it comes from the States, too. Now, what do you suppose a dame's doing writing to a preacher? If you want to know, read it. Well, all right, I will. Yeah, Malcolm, I... I was right. What do you mean? I just don't have the moves figured out, that's all. Listen to this. Yeah? I will meet you in Tarak. And I'll have the money from the interchurch council with me. If the riverboat that comes from Port Said arrives on time... I should be in Tarak on the 10th of August. Tomorrow's the 10th and the River Queen is due in. Shut up till I finish. Okay, okay. I am looking forward to meeting you at last. And I am also anticipating my trip into the Congo to assist you in your great work among the Miranawa people. It's signed Laurel Mason. It'll be a long time until she meets him. You're wrong, Banner. The Reverend Malcolm's going to be waiting at the dock for her. Are you nuts? Nuts? Not on your life. <laughs> did like you told me. I dressed him in your clothes and put those papers with your name on them in the pockets. Good work, Venner. I tossed his body near the waterfront. <laughs> when he's found, he'll be identified as Slim Cronin. They'll close the police files on you in a dozen countries. Pretty slick figuring, Slim. <clears throat> I would uh, greatly appreciate it, my good man, if you would address me as the Reverend Nathaniel Malcolm. <laughs> You're a card, Slim. How do I look? Like a preacher. Those clothes sure fit neat. 
Lucky Drake him being the same size as you. Somebody saw you dump the body. They've tailed you. Nobody tailed me. Answer it. I'll stand behind the door with my garrote. Right. Just a minute. Yeah? I'm looking for a Captain Venner. Hang Venner. Who are you? What do you want? My name is Tarzan. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Come in, Tarzan. Come right in. We should like you to remain with us to hear the next exciting developments in our story, Cathedral of the Congo. Those who live by the gun and the knife and the garrote, that slender instrument of strangulation, are seldom brave. And Tarzan's name struck terror in the heart of the man who had disguised himself as the Reverend Malcolm. Instead of attempting to attack the mighty jungle man, he crept into a dimly lighted corner of the dingy room as Tarzan entered. Now, what did you want to question me about? I'm told that you have the only ship in Tarak that's not engaged at the moment. Is this true? Well, what if it is? I should like to charter it and have you take me up the Nile and into the interior of the Congo. Oh, well, come on over to the table. There's a little more light over there. I ain't saying yes or no, but if you have enough dough, I might make a deal with it. I have far more than enough to pay for my passage. Oh, oh good evening, Reverend. I, I hadn't noticed you. Uh, good evening, Tarzan. I, uh, I heard you give your name. You must pardon my look of surprise. One does not expect to encounter a man of the cloth on the street of the devil. I myself find it hard to believe that I have been forced to come to this infamous street. But you see, I, too, am looking for transportation into the Congo, to the land of the Miranawas. Well, that's not far from my destination. You're a missionary? Uh, precisely. Uh, allow me to introduce myself. The Reverend Nathaniel Malcolm. Malcolm... Oh, yes, I, I've heard of your work among the Maranawas. You, uh, you know some of my people? No, no, despite the fact that their village is not far from that of the Punyas, who are my friends, I, I have never encountered any of them. Uh, I see. But uh, what brings you to Tarak, Reverend? I've come here to meet a young lady, a Miss Laurel Mason, who is to help me in my attempts to bring religion to the savages. I had hoped to be able to furnish safe transportation for her, uh, but now... Uh, now what? Uh, well, the funds of the church are always limited. I can't begin to pay the price Captain Venner has quoted me. But perhaps, uh, since you have stated that you have more than enough to charter Captain Venner's ship, perhaps you will do so and permit Miss Mason and me to come along. I've always been reluctant to take a white woman into the jungle. But... You will be helping in the work of the Lord. Well, if if Captain Venner agrees, I'll not stand in the way of your good work. What do you say, Captain? I ain't seen the color of your money yet. The color is red. There. What? A, a blood ruby. I have no currency, but the stone is worth a great deal. It, it was forced upon me by the Caliph of Haradan as a reward for having done him a service. I was most reluctant to take it, but he insisted... Oh, why will to give me a rock like that to take you up the river? Well, the voyage will not be an easy one, Captain. Need I remind you of the hardships that occur where the Nile flows through the Nubian Desert? No one who sailed through those once needs reminding. Then we must pass through the cataracts. I can bring her through. And after that, we must leave the Nile and take the shallow river Guadibo into the jungle. Guadibo, huh? Well, I've never navigated that stretch of water. But I ain't worried about us being shallow. If I got a heavy dew under the bottom of my scow, I can scrape through. 
How's the width? It's so narrow in some places that one can reach out and touch the brush at either side. Now, that's why I'm willing to give you the ruby in return for passage. It's a deal, mister. Or Tarzan, uh, I've never taken a trip upriver, but it seems to me that if this uh, goer depot is so narrow you can touch the brush at both sides... Uh, we should be most vulnerable to attack from uh, both animals and savages. That is true. Then why have you elected to travel by uh, water rather than by land? I've spoken only of the dangerous parts of the journey, Reverend. There are also many peaceful miles during which I can get some badly needed rest. One can get no rest traveling by foot through the jungle. But I did feel it was only fair to warn the captain here that he would not earn the ruby without risk. Okay, son, I have warned me. <laughs> that ruby sure is pretty, ain't it? Hey, hey, where are you putting the tarts? Away. For safekeeping. Oh, no, you don't. It's mine now. We made a deal, didn't we? You said that... It that... will be yours when you have delivered the Reverend Malcolm, the young lady, and me to our destination safely. Still don't get it. What in the devil was the idea of sending Tarzan to meet the team? Your knowledge of psychology is not very good, my friend. Suppose I went to the doctor meet her. Yeah? She might take a notion to check my identity, to make certain that I was the Reverend Malcolm, before turning over the money to me. Yeah. But the reputation of Tarzan is widespread. Even this girl from America must have heard of him. Yeah, that's probably right. Well, everyone in Tarak knows Tarzan. She won't have any cause to doubt him, and he will be the one who will tell her I'm waiting. With Tarzan introducing me as the Reverend Malcolm, she won't ask any questions. Mm, you're smart, Slim. Uh, what after that? We'll all set sail on your ship together. Tarzan admitted he's tired. Well, with the river breeze fanning his face, he'll sleep like a baby aboard ship. Yeah? And at the first opportunity, I'll use that narrow little thong that has silenced so many so quickly. A garrote. The ruby will be ours without taking that long, dangerous trip. And with Tarzan out of the way, we get the girl, huh? The girl and the fortune. <laughs> Enough money to build a cathedral. Just stick with the Reverend Malcolm, Captain Venner. You can't go wrong. I hope you'll pardon me, Miss Mason, but you don't look like a missionary. Please call me Laurel. And please remember that there's no rule that says a woman missionary has to wear horn-rimmed glasses and carry a psalm book. Oh, no, of course not. Well, have we got all your luggage together now? Yes, but can't you get someone with a cart or something to carry? Oh, I've carried many things heavier than those few bags. Besides, the attention of all the stevedores is centered on that other dock over there. Yes, I noticed the crowd there. What's happened? Oh, nothing. Please tell me. We'll get along much better if we speak honestly to one another. They found the body of a man there less than half an hour ago. A fugitive from justice who'd been killed by strangulation. The police think a garrote was used. Oh, horrible. This is Africa, Laurel, a land of violence. Frankly, I'd advise you to get back on the ship and continue to Cape Town. You can easily arrange for passage home from there. There must be lost souls in America who need saving, too. I've come here for a purpose, Tarzan. And I have no intention of going home regardless of what you say. Shall we get started? I'm most anxious to meet Mr. Malcolm. Uh, yes, my dear. Within a few moments, we'll go aboard, and soon we'll be traversing the longest river in the world, on the way to what someday will be known as 
the cathedral of the Congo. Mr. Malcolm, they're on the deck. What are those? Well, those are guns, my dear. Guns? Tarzan insisted that we take them along. Yes, we'll need all the protection we can muster, Miss Mason. I have my knife, but it's important that Captain Venner and the Reverend keep the guns by their side at all times. But it's inviting violence, if you ask my opinion. I am not asking your opinion. You ready for the last water keg, Captain Venner? All right. Yeah. May I help you aboard, Miss Mason? I can manage very nicely. I'm quite able to take care of myself. Oh. It's not going to be a dull trip, anyway. You must pardon Laurel's anger, Tarzan. She feels you want to discourage her and her children work, and she resents it. Uh, the reaction is a normal one. Do not think harshly of her, Oh, boy. of course not. Seriously, I'm very happy to have company on the trip. It, it will relieve the monotony. Uh, rest assured that I will do everything in my power to make our voyage the least tedious one you have ever taken. In just a moment, the exciting conclusion of Cathedral of the Congo. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. Captain Venner's rustic scowl made its way up the colorful Nile. The spurious Reverend Malcolm kept to himself, the victim of a mounting fear. For the girl had elected to hold the money until she reached the Miranawa country. And it seemed that Tarzan always slept with one eye open. Perhaps they were suspicious of him. This was the fourth night of the voyage, and still there had been no opportunity for murder. But now, as Captain Venner guided the craft through the narrow valley where the sands of the Nubian desert reach out to touch the blue waters, all was peaceful. Tarzan dozed near the bulkhead. And if the man who called himself Reverend Malcolm could sneak up behind the bulkhead and use his garrote quickly, the lord of the jungle would be no more. The moment had come. You accorded the disciples of the devil a reception they did not expect. Nor did they expect a, a man of the cloth to handle a gun the way you did, Reverend. Who were they? What did they want? Just our money and our lives. They were the Yorharami, the river pirates. Oh, this is a horrible land. There's violence everywhere. Yes, but there are other things too, Laurel. In the jungle you will see much violence, but also love and brotherhood and understanding beyond the knowledge of so-called civilized man. You will have to learn to accept Africa's bad along with its good. I shall need help. 
sure weren't exaggerating about being able to cut the brush on the other side of this door, Diva. This is worse than those cataracts were. It is most fortunate that your boat requires scant water beneath it, Captain Benner. I can see the bottom of the riverbed without difficulty. Any trouble we encounter is not apt to come from the riverbed. Well, you should took care of those animals that decided to come aboard this afternoon. Tarzan, through the trees, eyes, hundreds of them. Yes, they've been watching us for hours. I think they wish us to join them in their religious ceremonies. Religious ceremonies? They're waiting for us to reach that great rock ahead. The paintings on it mark it as a ceremonial place. I ain't stopping by any ceremonial rock. It would be wise to do as they wish. Boss! Boss, what do you Cut the motor off and anchor here, Captain Benny. Right. These tattooed faces and the bones sticking through their noses. Well, they think they're quite attractive. Jumbo, what do we see? Tattoo Jumbo. That's a pretty looking customer. He's their witch doctor. He uh, wants me to come to him. Laurel, it would be a sign of goodwill if you were to come with me. It would uh, show that, that not even our woman fears their magic. I'll come. Good. Hold my hand, Laurel. I don't believe we really have anything to fear. Well, there's so many of them. Well, Slim, how much more of this stuff do we have to go through? Don't call me Slim. And stop trying to give orders. I'll get him the minute he lowers his guard for a second. He don't lower his guard. By tomorrow, he'll reach the Miranawa country. And the Miranawas will know you ain't Malcolm. We won't reach their village. I'll guarantee you that. I have one more trick, and I'll use it. Hey, Tarzan's motioning to us. I guess we'll have to go ashore. Well, I don't like it. Come on. Stand over here, Reverend Malcolm, Captain Benner. What are they doing with the chicken? It is a sacrifice to the Nia of the air. It's to protect us from the birds of prey on our voyage. Aye, aye. Such paganism. And now what? A sacrifice to the Nia of the forest. Zala. Lala, near Kabuti. All of us must lie down so that they can anoint our bodies with the blood of a small goat. Quickly now. That's nonsense. Uh, lie down, Ben. Please, please, Laurel. Believe me, it's best. All right, but these heresies disgust me. They're smearing me all over with blood. Aye, aye, aye. Matania, Matania. Now we must take something of value and throw it into the river as a sacrifice to the knee of the water. Oh, Laurel, that, that string of beads you wear. It was given me by my... All right. There. Aye. 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 The spirits of the air, of the forest, and of the jungle have accepted us. We are now free to continue our journey. In the Nanil. Captain Brenner, we're almost to the Maranawa country. Why are you stopping? The preacher here asked me to stop. I hope you will forgive me, Tarzan. But I desire to go ashore a moment to make a silent prayer in the jungle that has long been my home. But couldn't you wait until we reach your people? You respected the religious customs of those pagan savages. I should think you could respect Reverend Malcolm's desire to commune with God before he faces his parishioners. Yes, you, you're right. But I must go with you. Reverend, the woods are alive with dangerous beasts. I should prefer that you remain and guard Laurel. Uh, perhaps Captain Venner would be good enough to... Sure, I'll come with you. Uh, wait until I get my gun. 
Okay, now. Come along, Doc. I appreciate your unselfishness, Captain Benner. I feel safer knowing the part. Dear Mr. Malcolm, I-, I know just what's in his mind. He desires strength with which to face his people. His task has not been an easy one, Tyson. Nor will yours be. You told me that it's to be your job to instruct the children. Mm-hmm. Oh, first you're going to have to learn their language. Then you must gain their confidence. And, and then you must fight to overcome sentiment. <laughs> Tarzan sped into the jungle that skirted the narrow river. But suddenly he swerved in his path and took to the middle level of jungle growth so that he could peer down. For there was something wrong. There was no scent of Sheeta, the panther, in the air. But below him he could see far more cunning and dangerous animals. Two men stood by the side of the jungle path they expected Tarzan to take. One held a gun, the other a slender garrote. Suddenly the whole vicious plot was made clear to Tarzan. He leaped down, knocking Venner's gun from his hand. Then he turned to wrest the thorn from the grasp of the counterfeit minister of God. The fear gave both men the speed of demons in their flight. And Tarzan could not follow, for Laurel would be left unprotected. He returned to her, his heart heavy with the things he was forced to tell her. So there is but one conclusion to draw, Laurel. The man found in the dock at Torak was the Reverend Malcolm. And the man we've been traveling with must have been the fugitive from justice. Was it an amplification we found on the body? Exactly. And Captain Venner was with him in this plot all along. I can't truthfully say I suspected that there was anything wrong. But I know now why I've been beset with doubts about myself. I was looking to the man we thought was Mr. Malcolm for faith. And he has none to share. What's that? Natives. Don't be frightened. Perhaps they're also friendly. I'm not frightened. I'm too angry thinking about those two men escaping after they... Jumbo, Tarzan. Jumbo, Laurel Mason. That was my name. Much news traveled through jungle. We know you come. We know also about men who pretend to be our own fundis. You are of the Mirinawa, and you knew that someone was posing as the Reverend Malcolm? News come from Tara. Travel up river by messenger, by jungle drum. No bad men who kill our own fundis. But they find justice in jungle. Captain Venner and that, that man, what happened to them? Ways of jungle are strange. They met death? Now we take you rest away in Marinawa village. Go to church in Fern Forest. You make prayer for Umfondis Malcolm. Yes, we will come with you. I hope that I can truly lead you in prayer. You lead. We follow. Laurel, you'll have difficulty buying materials for the edifice Dr. Malcolm planned. You'll have many more difficulties transporting these materials into the jungle. Perhaps the building may never materialize, but with your courage and the faith of these people... A humble shack of mud can become a real cathedral of the Congo. In just a moment, a preview of our next exciting story of Tarzan. Africa is a strange place, for it combines the mystery of the Orient with the violence of the jungle. And nowhere is this exotic blending of two worlds more evident than in the mystic city of El Hadi, capital of the narcotic industry of a continent, headquarters for a savage band who attempt to control a nation through a crippling opiate. Listen to City of Sleep, our next story of Tarzan. 
Tarzan, the transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glasser. This is a Commodore production. This and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, wherever you get podcasts, or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!